0: Hello, this is the FCI podcast. I am Attila Martin, and today we cover a very important and complex topic. And this is genetic testing of dogs and the new available testing technologies. My guest today is a molecular geneticist research fellow at the Department of Ethology at the artvis University in Budapest, Hungary. Please welcome Shara Chandor. And the topic we will talk about is a relatively new and available technology. genomic chip. And as a start, let's make something clear. This kind of chip has nothing to do with the microchip or those chips in electrical gadgets. Am I right?
1: Yes, basically it's a very different thing, although it is uh, similarly some kind of technical electronic thing.
0: Uh, and, And what is it exactly? How it works? And I mean, compared to the previously known uh, genetic tests, because genetic tests have been available for for some decades now. And in case of many breeds, many breeders uh, had to or or obliged to to use these tests. And why is this technology so different compared to the to the previous ones?
1: So this technology, has been used for many years now in science and research to do molecular genetics and, and genetics testing and genetic investigations. Uh, and it has actually been introduced to dog uh, disease detection and dog breeding strategies for a few years by now, but it, it, it needs time to, to get more accepting than to spread. Uh, this technology is basically based on this kind of chip which is really not cheap, as you mentioned, because it does not contain elec- any electro- electronic circuit or anything. However, the instruments used to do the testing and the analysis are still require, you know, big computer capacity and etc. So it is somehow still linked to uh, computers and others. But the chip itself, it's called the SNP chip, which analyzes SNPs. SNPs are the small nucleotide uh, polymorphism, which, yes, this is a hard word in English, yes. sorry. So, so these SNPs are mutations in the genome. And the chip contains several thousand of small DNA piece, species. Uh, pieces. These are kind of uh, baits li- linked to the chip. And when you add the DNA of the dog, of a certain dog to the chip, the DNA of the dog can bind to the similar DNA sequences, which are used as baits. So for example, you have a short sequence on the chip, linked to the chip, you add the DNA from the dog, and that part of the DNA can bind to this uh, bait on the chip because DNA, as many may know, forms a double helix. So it can bind to the other one. And therefore, if there is a mutation present Uh, at the location, at the bait, and the mutation is also present in the DNA tested, the binding will be 100%. We can say that. But if the two sequences are different, because the mutation, for example, the SNP is not there, the binding will be weaker. So the chip is based on this strength of binding. If the binding is low, the signal will be lower. And if the binding is strong, the signal will be stronger. And this is detected by the computers and by this uh, light analysis. So this is the basic mechanism. But what is important about this technology is that you can add several hundred thousand of SNPs on the same chip. And you can, by these SNPs, cover the whole genome. So these are kind of mapping points uh, spread around the whole genome. And when you test these mapping points, you can get a blink about the constitution of the whole genome.
0: It sounds interesting. Can I say that that just if I want to, to simplify the explanation that with this technology, you can sort of scan a bigger portion of, of the genome of, of a dog, for example, not just certain certain uh, mutations, but, but a much, much bigger portion because, okay, uh, some some 100,000 is uh, it's, it's a huge number, I think.
1: Yes, actually, you can cover the almost the whole genome. It depends on the SNPs you test, where those SNPs are located, but usually the goal is to cover as many of the genome as possible. So this means that you have uh, regions from the genome spanning a few thousand, few ten thousands of these base pairs, which are the letters of the genome. And at each of these parts, you have one or two mapping points. So in a simplified way, this means that the mapping points can tell you something about the actual area where they are located.
0: Okay. Uh, and, and this is a huge amount of data, actually. And do you, do you need to, to have a really high qualification in genetics to be able to read these, these test results, because it is a very important thing that, okay, you have your talk tested, and what to do with the results.
1: Yes, if you refer to the raw results, then yeah, you have to be a highly trained professional using bioinformatics software to analyze the raw data, but after the raw data has been interpreted, so you have the results, what mutations are present and which mutations are not present, then this data can be easily understood by anyone who has basic knowledge in genetics. Maybe in some specific cases, you need some more education, for example, in some special alleles for some genes, but basically the main information can be easily understood. Uh,
0: And and one thing is is really interesting. When I saw some some adverts, commercial adverts of these, these, these products without mentioning any brand names, uh, in many cases, the main, main focus was on uh, if you want to, to find out if your dog is 100% purebred, or in case you have a mixed breed mixed dog, uh, what kind of breeds are involved in your dog. Or in some countries, uh, if I'm right, uh, the kennel clubs use, use this kind of technologies, maybe not this one, but uh, they use DNA testing for identification of the dog just to make sure that the parents of the dogs are valid, but uh, besides that, there are so many other data and so many other information we can get from from this this technology. And I mean, for example, coat color of dogs, uh, any other traits in the phenotype, uh, and genetically inherited diseases as well. If I'm right.
1: Yes, absolutely, because all the phenotypic parameters you mentioned, even the diseases, are. Uh, somehow encoded in the genome. The extent of genetic uh, background can be different between different phenotypes, but in many cases, there is some genetic uh, effect that causes, for example, a disease. And these genetic effects are usually linked to certain mutations, certain changes in the genetic information. And actually, the SNP chip is something that has originally been designed to detect uh, one letter mutations or other short mutations in the genome. So if you know that an actual mutation is linked to, for example, a heritable, inheritable disorder, then you can add this mapping point, this mutation as a mapping point to the SNP chip. And then, with, then together with the other mapping points, you can also gain information about the actual disease link mutation or any kind of mutation which is linked to actual phenotype.
0: Okay, and and uh, currently, how many diseases are scientifically proven to have uh, a genetic background linked to to a mutation or or? You know I cannot I mean?
1: tell you an exact number, but usually the number uh, researchers talk about and veterinarians is around a few hundred. But I think it can reach. Also, a thousand. If we consider every possible disease which can be affected by uh, genetic background,
0: is it possible to 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 scan for for all all these diseases with, with a genomic chip?
1: Uh, in theory, yes, but but in practice, we are still not there because we still know very uh, little actually about the all of the genome how it affects uh, different diseases, especially regarding complex diseases. However, in many cases, where the link between the genetic background and the disease is very strong, so for example, one exact mutation is known to cause a very specific disease. uh, In those cases, uh, it is rather easy to add the test for this mutation to any kind of genetic testing panel and then search for this mutation in the investigated animals. Uh, and actually, the, the, the number of these testable mutations, testable uh, SNPs and other mutations, is increasing year by year because these researchers identify new mutations linked to disease.
0: Uh, so it can be a very effective tool to, to fight genetically inherited diseases, but not all of them because uh, because uh because it is it is an interesting topic because everyone wants to to have an extra healthy dog without any kind of diseases no illness whatever and sometimes i have the feeling that that uh, first of all everything is is linked to genetics and on the other hand people think that if a dog is is genetically tested it is a kind of 100% guarantee that the dog will have uh, a healthy life without without any illnesses. So I think this is something uh, we need to to understand and learn that it helps you to optimize uh, your selection, for example, But, but it is not something like magic wand. You can't do miracle with this, so. It has its own limitations, I mean.
1: Almost, you can almost do miracle with this, but yes, you you can't, yes.
0: And what kind of miracles can you do with with this? Uh,
1: For example, selecting the optimal pairs for your dog. So it can really make a big change uh, in the so-called quality of offspring. And I do not only refer to the disease status and health of the animals, but uh, by identifying the SNPs that, and other mutations that could affect phenotype, you can actually start, breeders can actually start to look for matings where the phenotype can be improved. So this can also be a very effective thing, a very, very good goal of using this technology.
0: Uh, but isn't it, 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 I think it definitely needs Knowledge about about yes. genetics for yes. for this part.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and, and it, but if, if we just concentrate on fighting genetically inherited diseases, uh, in many countries during the last some years or even a decade ago, uh, breed clubs, for example, or kennel clubs, started to set very strict regulations. Uh, what to do with with uh, with a dog with this kind of that kind of mutation, and and. I also see uh, debates between between and sometimes fights between breeders when they start to to uh, argue what to do with with a dog carrying a genetically inherited disease and and I, I I know my kind of answer that it it can't be good to extract these dogs automatically from the population from the gene pool but what is your 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 opinion on, on this without going very deep into to population genetics, because that is a huge area as well.
1: Yes, actually, this is an answer biologists a biologist really like to say it depends. So <laughs> it really depends on the, on the disease and on the population where the disease is present. Because uh, there are diseases which, for example, uh, do not always occur when the mutation is present. So you should also consider other factors. There are diseases which, for example, occur very often when the mutation is present, but are not very, very serious. And most importantly, because dog breeds represent closed populations, these populations have their uh, attributes like uh, inbreeding coefficient within the population, um, the the relatedness of the animals, this is linked to the inbreeding, uh, and if you have a population, for example, where the animals are very close related, so the, inre- the general in- inbreeding is high, then it's not always a good idea to automatically exclude animals with heritable diseases, especially if the disease is not, not very, very, very serious. Because in that case, you can lose variable, rare alleles, which would add to the still remaining genetic variability of the population. But if you have a population where the genetic variability is still high, so this the, the inbreeding is relatively low, you can be more strict with heritable diseases. So, this topic should always be discussed on a breed specific level between, for example, breed clubs and and uh, genetics um, specialists. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm really happy you, you mentioned breeds and, and, and you mentioned a breed specific approach because sometimes. I, I, I see that in many cases, people try to uh, solve dog-related matters uh, with, with, in a very simple way. They try to find uh, a one-size-fits-all solution. But, but uh, in this case, uh, in, in, your, in your opinion, what you just mentioned, uh, you have to consider a lot of different factors to, to set up a strategy on the population level in a certain breed, and it does matter what kind of illness uh, we are talking about. Because uh, yeah, I've heard situations in, in certain breeds, in, in certain countries, when they started to exclude dogs from, from the population, just to get rid of uh, a medium, mediumly severe illness, and they managed to fix another one another genetically inherited disease in the population, which were more difficult to fight. So, so with good intention, they managed to, to create a more serious situation, which is, which is sad, so it's, it's a bit complicated. And the other thing is, I think we, we need to, to talk about it a bit, uh, when we are talking about genetic testing and, and when we, we talk about uh, what to do with the test results, We also need to talk about recessive mutations uh, because it is is a bit sad to to see debates between breeders or between breeders and breed clubs when they want to, when they don't know exactly what to do with a dog carrying a mutation. Uh, Is it safe? I I know the answer, but it is is good to hear from, from a professional. Is it safe to? keep a dog in your your breeding management, your your breeding practice, which carries a genetically uh, inherited mutation, which is related to a genetically inherited disease.
1: Actually, I'm very happy that you told that you know the answer because actually I still don't know the exact answer. It's also a, a, a question where I can say it depends, but in general, in most cases, uh, according to our current genetic knowledge, when there is a mutation present which causes uh, the mutation, uh, causes the disease in a homozygous form, so this is a kind of recessive mutation. Most cases, the animals which has only one copy of this mutation won't. Uh, get the disease, so won't develop the disease, but why I mentioned that it depends, because in genetics there is always some exceptions and, yeah. and some specific cases, but in general, recessive mutations in heterozygous form don't really cause any problem.
0: Yeah, if you, if you uh, mate that dog with another one, which does not carry that mutation, then there will be no problem in the phenotype. The, yes, in the... most
1: cases, no, because, <laughs> because then, you, when you have a heterozygous animal, this means that the animal has one copy of the mutation and one copy of the normal gene, so this is called the, the, the for example, wild-type allele, and the other animal has two wild-type alleles, then the offspring, offspring cannot become homozygous for the mutation.
0: This is what I usually say, and, and I don't know if it's too complicated to talk about the exceptions because you said it depends and there are situations when there are exceptions and it is not too good to, to, yes, to use Yes, the
1: ex- exceptions are usually specific cases, specific areas, specific diseases. For example, when you have, uh, this is not a specific thing I mentioned, just a, just a, an idea that could happen when you have Uh, Mutation, which causes disease when an other mutation at the other part of the genome is present. And then you cannot be 100% sure that the recessive mutation when when you have one copy of it won't cause disease in every case. For example, if If my memories are good, but sorry, I I have not updated currently about this disease, but in the case of degenerative myelopathy, there's a small incidence of the disease occurring, even if the causative mutations, the linked mutations uh, are present in one copy. But this incidence is very small.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, I I, I like to talk about what to do with dogs uh, carrying uh, recessive mutation, because if you if you say that okay my dog is is affected by something something bad I don't know what it is and you say that okay I exclude this dog from from breeding or the breed club says that okay you can't use that dog because it carries something in that case you 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 in the long run you you cause more problem I think because if you exclude too many dogs from the population then you will reduce the diversity of the population if I'm right. So Absolutely. That's, why, that's why it is important to understand how to implement uh, implement uh, uh, these test results into into the everyday life of 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 breeding because because you will you will you will do more harm probably than, than good
1: yes especially you mentioned diversity there are already papers so data uh, that when diversity, the, the genetic variability of the population, gets lower and lower, you can get serious side effects. For example, smaller litter sizes, occurrence of more uh, diseases, not, not specific genetic diseases, but for example, immune system malfunction and other stuff. So diversity in itself is also very important to be, to be set to an optimal level.
0: So we can we can say altogether that that this technology can be a really useful tool in in breeding, uh, to 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 make decisions about about selection if those two dogs will be will be good together. I mean genetically. Uh, so, but we need to to understand and learn how to use the results and which part means what.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So, uh, do you think? uh what is your, your your personal professional uh idea opinion about this if 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 using this technology becomes an everyday thing because if I'm right these these tests are not not really uh expensive and and this you, you, you have to do it once with a dog using for breeding uh do you think if it gets popular it can help to to improve? Talk welfare in, in general in the long run.
1: I'm pretty sure that if it gets more commonly used and people can interpret the results, which also means that it should be a community thing. So you cannot just do population management by yourself as one breeder. So so breeders should really think and work in communities and actually. Uh, not only breeders, but the owners of those breeds of dogs should also be involved in this community breeding. There are actually very nice uh, review paper about this published in uh, in two years, actually, so in 2019, which, which investigated, discussed the problem that many pet dogs who live with pet, dog, pet owners, pet dog owners, get excluded from breeding because, you know, the owners just don't want to breed them. And there are often regulations that they have to spay the dogs or neuter them. And this also causes that several dogs just get uh, excluded from breeding for no reason. So, so it's not, only about genetic testing. Genetic testing can be the eye. So the eye seeing what to do and what, what what are the current state of the population, but the decision should be made on a on a community level.
0: So it will not save the world itself. But no it is itself very... no no
1: no no <laughs> technology can save the world is in itself yeah. I think
0: but if you if we use use these tools wisely then, then then we can really improve things yes. and if we implement it 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 well if we learn how to use that if we if we understand how to set up breeding strategies within a breed within the population as because as you said it 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 is it is not a one-man show one person will not save any any breed from any kind of inherited diseases in that case it could it could work and what do you think what what it takes to to get this new technology known and used and implemented into the everyday life of of dog breeding?
1: I think it it basically means education. So education is the core of everything when you want to introduce a new technology and also uh, to change the way of thinking. Because in dog breeding, in my personal opinion, you should develop the kind of eye, take it in the good sense, to, to see what's behind the phenotype. So there's not only the phenotype, but there are those those, those, those many, many genes and alleles and everything, and they are presenting the dog. And when you make a breeding decision, you, act, you actually make a decision about ad, spreading those alleles or not spreading those alleles. So this is the, the knowledge behind. This is what you should see by your mind, eyes, or I don't, I don't know what is the English expression for that. Uh, and you can see this through the genetic testing panels,
0: and it's a huge help. I know you don't have a magic ball, but what do you think that the technology will develop further, or or uh, if if we repeat this conversation in five years, ten years, will we have more developed tools, or or there will be uh, already? Uh, available uh, genetic testing tools for the public because you said that the genomic chip uh, has been used used for 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 many years, but now it started to to be used for the public. So where this 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 whole thing is is heading to? Uh,
1: actually, there is a continuous improvement also in the chip technology. So in these SNP chips, because year by year. Uh, new SNPs, new mutations are discovered, and they can be added to the actual set of investigated mapping points in the genome. So the SNPs, the SNP chips themselves improve, but regarding the global view on molecular genetics and genetic testing, uh, the, the holy grail, I think, of this genetic testing and population management would be to get the whole genome data of all individuals and get a very, very super computer, which is, which is really, really huge computer and manage this, this big amount of data of the whole genome sequences and have to make decisions. So actually this is a, this is a plausible future view uh, because full, whole genome sequencing is also getting cheaper and cheaper. But yes, the generative data in that case is really huge.
0: Well, if I, as I was listening to you, uh, my my memories came back about the first digital camera, and what I I don't tell you how many years ago it was when I got my first uh, digital camera, and we were shocked to to have one megapixel uh, images. And now what I can do with my smartphone, it is, it is incredible. So luckily, technology develops. OK, it has a lot of disadvantages. But luckily, luckily, we have a lot of uh, uh, advantages. And I do hope there will be. OK, the, the, the technical uh, development, it is unquestionable. I do hope that the education and, and everything we talked about to understand how to use the results to understand how to to implement everything into breeding strategies, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully uh, we will uh, catch up to to this technical improvement because it is it is good and it is good for everyone, I think. I, I do thank you for, for sharing uh, your, your ideas about the genomic chip, because I think it is important to talk about and important to understand just the basic things. If we uh, wanted to go into deeper into population genetics and everything, uh, we, could, we could talk much more, I think, much, much more, and, and maybe in the, in the future. I, I uh, thank you for, for being part of this episode. I do hope that everyone who, who listened to us could get some, some important parts because it is really important to, to understand uh, the, the possibilities, how to improve dog uh, welfare and health. Uh, those who haven't fo- hasn't followed this, this channel, please subscribe and you will get notified when we air a new episode. And thank you again, Shara, and hope to see you soon.
1: And I also thank you for the invitation.
0: Thank you so much. Take care.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.